Welcome to the Chap Chat Podcast. Each week, you're going to be joined by one of the chaplains here at Joint Base Charleston to hear about different topics concerning spiritual resiliency. Sometimes there will be guests. Sometimes it'll just be a chaplain discussing a topic that's been close to his or her heart over the past week. We hope you find these enjoyable, interesting, and above all useful as you figure out what spiritual resiliency looks like to you. The opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent the position of the United States government or the United States Air Force or any other United States DOD entity. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chap Chat podcast brought to you by the Chapel team here at Joint Base Charleston. I'm Chaplain James Harris and today we're joined for part two of the series with Miss Michelle McMeekin, our Community Support Coordinator at Joint Base Charleston. Ms. McMeekin, welcome. Thank you again. I really appreciate coming back. Yes, thank you for coming back. And um, so last time we talked a lot about what your job looks like now, um, establishing community on base, uh, working with the JB Cares team about all the different helping agencies. Uh, but this time we were hoping to get a bit more personal about what your life looked like and how spiritual resiliency worked for you. Because though you're a civilian employee now at the Air Force, you were in the Air Force before, correct? Yes, yes. Okay, so what did what did that look like? Tell us a little bit about your career, how that all shook out. Yeah, okay. So uh, I came in uh, the Air Force at 17, so way back in the day, and I had no idea what I wanted to do in the world. I didn't have any plans for my future. Um, oddly enough, I didn't have discussions about college. Um, that, that wasn't a, a huge discussion in my house, unlike with my son. And so I just really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I came in at 17 and let the Air Force kind of like guide that path and um, didn't even know I was coming in to do a career. I literally oh, came yeah. in just to do my first enlistment. But at that point, I decided that it was worth re-enlisting again. And so 26 years later, I, yeah. Okay, and what was your, what was your career in the, what was your job, AFSC? So, um, so that's one of my interesting stories, I guess, coming in. I, I came into the Air Force and didn't know what I really wanted to do, but I knew I loved language. And so I had tried to come in through the language program. Okay. And they assigned Korean to me. And I got to the tech school and found out that I could read it, write it, speak it, but I could not hear it. And so I actually washed out after two months and the Air Force in its infinite wisdom said, well, you already have passed all the other tests. You've already uh, got your clearance. And so they made me an admin person, administrative specialist, which I was not happy about. Yes. Don't like paperwork. And I certainly didn't want to be doing that for a living. So I was a little bit disgruntled at the time. But, you know, I'm like, I'm here for the long haul. I've got five years of this to go. So, you know, let's make this work. And, and uh, so I was kind of in it. But I uh, always kept my ear to the ground. And, and I realized very quickly about three years in or so that um, an ad came out on our base newspaper about looking for a Russian linguist. Oh. People to go to training. And so I volunteered for that and got selected and went and did two years of Russian training. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit different than Korean. A little bit I different. Guess. A little bit easier. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's uh. So in seminary, I had to take Greek and Hebrew, Oof. and I don't know any Greek and Hebrew now. Pretty much, it just all emptied out of my brain immediately. <laughs> yes, but I found Greek was 
the hardest classes I've ever taken. Mm. And I thought it was going to be easier because, you know, it's uh, the letters are like transliterated. So they, you can recognize the letters right. similar to English. Hebrew, you read right to left, very different. Yes. Um, but it was easier because it's almost like you went into it knowing you had to work hard to mm-hmm. understand uh, Hebrew. And the rules always apply. Whereas Greek, they tell you the rules and... Then every right. single word is like, nah, these rules don't apply. It's it's everything's unique. Yeah. Um, so with your journey, you know, coming in seventeen, very young, and then initial kind of disappointment. Oh, mm. doing Korean now. I've got to go do admin. Then going back to Russian language school. Um, what is spiritual resiliency for you? How did that manifest throughout your career? What did that look sure. like for you? So, so interestingly enough, at that point, uh, it had no play for me, honestly. Mm. Um, I had not grown up in the church. I didn't have any family who went to church, so I had no role modeling of that whatsoever. But I think on some level, I always had a a basic awareness of God. Like, I I wasn't anti-God. I wasn't anything like that. But, like, I just didn't have a relationship with God, and we, you know, we really had no interaction. So um, when I went through the Russian school, I spent almost two years there, and that was probably uh, another one of my disappointments that was just frustrating to get to the end of that and not have a job to go into. Uh, They didn't have enough spots for us. And so they put me back into the career field again, back into admin. So once again, I'm back where I didn't want to be. That's something I didn't pick, and I'm I'm, I'm really frustrated by that. I didn't understand the why. Why did I get to go? Why did I go through all the training? Why did I make it all the way to the end not to get a job? Like, I just really couldn't understand that. And it, it, it caused me some angst and frustration. Um, but at this point, um, you know, I knew I didn't have any spiritual background or anything. So I think if I were to ask how does this play out in my career, I'd have to go back to that beginning. Mm-hmm. So not growing up in the church, I didn't have any indication of that. Um, in fact, my only interaction with the church was at six years old. Um, my mom and my dad were divorced. They should have never probably been married. That was a truth right out the gate. Um, but they got married and divorced probably by the time I was a year old. And so I, you know, shuffle back and forth between the two houses. And one of the weekends with my dad, I was six years old. Uh, he took me to church, to a Baptist church, where I got baptized. And if you know anything about that, that was full on dunk. Yes. Not sprinkling, not like it was a full on dunk. And and the issue with that is that I, he didn't explain it to me. He didn't tell me why we were there. He didn't tell me what was going to happen. He didn't explain what was about to happen. So kind of just got shoved into the baptismal, got the dunking, came out sputtering and just was like, what the heck? Yeah. Um, so not a real pleasant experience at that moment for me because as a kid, I didn't know why we were doing this. Right. And um, that's not usual, right? That's not that's pretty unusual. And uh, then we never went back to church again after that. So just a one dunk and done. Just a one and done. Yeah. I've covered you. I've got you baptized. We're good to go. And 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 so it was very just odd for me. And probably if it hadn't been for the traumatic dunking, I probably wouldn't have even remembered that happening in my childhood yes. because it wouldn't have been significant to me other than that. Um, so fast forward. My mom is remarried uh, in junior high to who would become my stepdad. Um, He adopted me when I was 13 because my paternal dad thought I wasn't his and that uh, he never thought I was his even though I look like him and have all the family features, but whatever. So 
so, but my stepdad said, I'm proud to make you mine. And he adopted me. And um, in high school, right at the beginning of high school, he moved us back to Arkansas, where his family was from. And his family did go to church. And so all through high school, we went to church with them or uh, to another church. And so that was my first real true interaction with going to church. Um, I, I, I did the Sunday thing. I was in youth group. We went on missions trips. Um, but the honest truth of that is that there was no critical thinking that happened there. Hmm. Uh, no one was talking to me about my relationship. What does this look like? Why do you believe? Um, you know, what do you want to get out of it? Like, what are you going to do with this? There, I, I was just showing up. Just punching the clock. Going. I was just yep. going. But, but in my brain, I didn't know any difference. So I thought, we're good. I'm good. Right. So, you know, you come into basic training then, and, and I come out of high school going to church on Sundays and being in a missions group. And so at basic training, everybody goes to church, right? Because it gets you out of work and chores and tasks. So yes. everybody goes to church, no matter what your belief yes. system is. <laughs> and, uh, it really didn't do a whole lot for me, unfortunately. I think at BMT, it's deliberately generic mm. because you don't know who's walking through the door, but you know everybody is coming. So it's it's generic, and so it really didn't uh, speak out to me. Um, so then, fast forward, I, I go through those first couple of years. I have disappointments in the Air Force, but I'm not I'm not going to church, so I, I really don't have a spiritual walk at this point. I'm just going through the mushrooms. I'm mm. just living on my own and surviving through stuff based on my own resilience, my own drive and tenacity to get through things. Um, but uh, when I went through that Russian training, that really kind of, again, like challenged me. Mm. But fast forward, um, you know, I, I got married at 22. I was a mom by 23. I was uh, separated by 25 and divorced by 26. So now I have my own, my own baggage, my own past. Um, and so I'm, 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 making it in the world in the Air Force as a single mom, trying to figure out how to do this thing called life and how to be a good mom. Um, and again, you know, I talked to my son, we pray at night before he went to bed, but that was the extent of my walk. Like mm. I, I didn't go to church. I, I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't in, engaged. Um, just again, had a general knowledge. Um, but when I went through that Russian training, um, I had no idea at that time that God already had plan for me and then mm. it was coming out in that plan of the training um, fast forward to 96 and the Air Force sends me on a TDY to Camp Lejeune to speak Russian oh the, yeah. the training that I never completed and that I never had a job in but because my record showed I was a Russian linguist they sent me to the TDY of which the I tried everything to get out of yes. I, I, everything <laughs> I tried to get out of it uh, to, in fact, call the TDY location and say, look, this is a mistake. You don't want me coming. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done the job. And he said something to me in Russian. And I unknowingly answered back. And he said, oh, you'll be fine. Oh, gosh. So <laughs> I'm there. I'm, I'm there for 45 days to speak a Russian linguist, as a Russian linguist for a joint nation exercise, Cooperative Osprey. And I meet who would then become my future husband, a Marine, who also spoke Russian. The language of love, some would say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and and the odd, the really really weird odd part is we were both at the schoolhouse in Monterey at the same time learning Russian. Wow. But we never met or knew each other or anything. So now fast forward seven years, we're at this TY location at Camp Lejeune as two separate service members, having learned Russian seven years ago, and we're at now the same here time and meeting. now. Wow. Okay. 
So we establish a long distance relationship and we get married two years later. He adopts my son. Uh, we go to DC together. We're there for a year. I get picked up for a job to go to Germany and we get to Germany. And once again, I, I look back and I realize God had a plan and mm. I, uh, didn't know it at the time, but he was calling to both of us. He was asking us to, to come to him, to come back to him. And, um, it was kind of fascinating because my husband had grown up in the church in a, in a Christian school his whole life. Oh wow! But he had kind of done his own thing, walked away. He'd seen a lot of hypocrisy and things. So he walked away. Um, he believed what he believed. He knew what he knew, but that, that was the extent of that. And so, uh, we both looked back and went, yeah, God was pulling us in and it kind of happened through two fortuitous things. Um, one was a set of friends that I had known since my first duty station, Scott Air Force Base, way back when I volunteered for the Russian training. Um, we'd been friends. I was a witness at their, their wedding. Um, oh, wow. I was there for the birth of their child, after, you know, one of their first visitors. They gave me my baby shower in Germany when my son was born. Like, we had a good long path, and they got stationed in Germany in uh, 2001. And uh, I knew that they went to church and that they were heavily involved and they had a good value system. And I really was excited about them coming and helping mm. us establish that for ourselves. And so we started going to church when they came and we got involved. And a friend of ours at church said, hey, we need help with Awana. And that was our first opportunity to get introduced to Awana, right? The youth group there. And she wanted help and I was adamant about not doing it because I didn't know the Bible. I hadn't been going to church quite long enough yet. Right, right. Didn't know the Bible. Didn't think I was a good fit for that. And she said, I'll never forget July. She said, I don't need you to be an expert in the Bible. I need you to love these kids and to listen. They'll do the rest. And I said, okay. But as part of that, I had to go through training. And a video called The Gift was something I had to watch as part of that training. And I went home that night and I cried to my husband and he said, oh, whoa, what, what did they do during that training? Yeah. Like what just happened? And I said, I realized today that I am not saved. I have not accepted God. And he's kind of like looking at me like, what do you mean? And I said, I've been going through the motions up to this point, but I have never once asked God to come to my life and to lead my life and to be my savior. I've never done that. I am not saved. And I was devastated by this, that I'm this adult person. And he said, well, we can fix that right now. And so we did. We prayed about it. And uh, six months later, my son and I were baptized in the church by my wow. husband, our, our pastor, our, our church chaplain. And uh, so that kind of started our walk. And it was a really good time. We got heavily engaged in the church and our spiritual walk just started flourishing. We were going to a hospitality house ministry there, Cadence, okay. uh, with uh, the Reasoner family who were extremely crucially, um, not detrimental, instrumental. Exact opposite of detrimental. In our spiritual walk. Uh, hugely impactful on how you do small group ministry, how you do fellowship, how you believe. We did uh, trips together. Um, and every time I would have a question, a devastating question, you know, why do I believe? What do I believe? How does this pan out? Why does God do this? Whatever. Um, they were hugely instrumental in that mm -hmm. relationship. And um, that was good because uh, my first true real test of my belief system was in 2005 when I had a miscarriage. Uh, we'd been married about uh, four years, five years at that point. And 
I had not gotten pregnant up to that point, mm. and so I had my first miscarriage, and um, I found that I was uh, challenged by that, like the why, but at the same time, I felt very clearly that God had spoke to me and said, this is not about you. You're a vessel, and you have a message to share on my behalf, and it'll be okay. Mm. And I said, okay. And so I was able to handle that this was God's plan and, and that, you know, he knew what he was doing and I could have faith and trust in that. A year later, I had a second miscarriage and that crushed me. Um, yeah. I, I really struggled with that. I, I, I struggled when I would look at a family in our church that had eight kids, having a 10th kid, having a sixth kid. And we had that. We had large families, large families. in yeah, our churches. And I, I, I struggled with, am I a bad person? Am I a bad mom? Am I a bad Christian? Um, is there something I've done that this is, you know, am I being punished for something? Like I struggled through all those questions and God and I had a lot of heart to hearts. And I also learned uh, a very valuable lesson about learning how to um, not be a token Christian who tells people, well, God knows best. Hmm. Well, you know, there must be a reason or all the things that we, yes. we do as Christians to try to make people feel better when they're dealing with crisis. Yes. We don't feel comfortable with people who are struggling with things. So we, we, we try to do the false kind right. of like, oh, whatever I can do to just cover this up and get past this moment. And yeah. hurtful stuff a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, because we're uncomfortable with everybody else's pain, we want to think positively and we want to speak positively. But we don't have a magic eight ball. Right. And you cannot predict the future predict the future over somebody and else probably one of the most hurtful things that i heard at, from christians was that um you know well you'll have more children you're so young you know god knows god you have plenty of time well fast forward we've been married 25 years we didn't ever have another one mm. it never worked out uh, i've never used birth control and yet i've never gotten pregnant we went through treatments we went through you know uh we have an unexplained inability to conceive that, yes. that was the response I got from a doctor. I don't know what that means. I think it's uh, except that it meant it's not in yeah. the plan. <laughs> yes. It was not in God's plan. Um, but very clearly in that second miscarriage, when I had all of these deep, deep conversations with God, it was an opportunity again to grow my faith and to grow closer to Him, um, because I was angry and I was hurt and I was hearing all of these things from people who were well-meaning, and I just wanted to understand, like. Why? Why? Like, if you didn't want me to be pregnant, why did you even let me experience a miscarriage? Mm. And so I struggled with that a lot. Um, but clearly God spoke a lot to me and said, you know, again, it's not about you. I know you and you're strong enough to get through this and not lose your faith. And even though you're hurt, I can use you. Mm. And he has. I've, I've, I've had many conversations with people after a miscarriage and, and, and the hurts and the struggles and what that looks like and to be able to just sit in that with someone yes. who's hurting. Walking through somebody else with it because you yeah. do understand that pain yeah. that others might not be able to comprehend. Yeah. And so um, so that's kind of like where uh, we got the deepest and strongest in our, in our relationship with God. Um, you know, I, again, I look back and just knowing I never grew up in the church. And by the time I was 25, I was experiencing my own divorce. 
I was also the child of eight divorces between my mom and my dad. Wow. Uh, you know, those bring on their own challenges uh, of what that really looks like. And I never say that to be hurtful to my mom. Right. You know, she grew up in a family where she was not loved. She was neglected. She was abused, oldest of six. And so that proverbial looking for love in all the wrong places. And, you know, she was doing that. She was desperately trying to find someone who loved her, who cared about her, um, who would be a good dad to her children, mm. you know, as, as she was a single mom, too. And so all of those things kind of shape us, shape our perspective, shape our ability to cope, how we handle our own challenges. And I knew when I got married that first time that I, I had this really weird skewed view of, of marriage in that I knew that if it didn't work out, it didn't work out, no harm, no foul. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't want to be divorced. I, I wanted it to work, but I had to, uh, be in a relationship with someone else who wanted to work and and you know and he did not and and there are times when people um, have asked about my past or you know like um, aren't you angry you know would you change your past would you would you change I mean obviously you've been through some stuff would you change and I I always look back and I'd say no I wouldn't change a thing not one thing um, especially my own marriage and divorce I would never change that and the reason why is because I have my son Right. And I truly believe that he was God-ordained. I believe that God put him in my path as my one and only child. And I am grateful for him because since I didn't ever have any other children, I couldn't think of a better kid to have, of the one right. blessing that I got. Um, when you look at him, he is the product of, of my ex-husband and myself. And, you know, how he looks, his sense of humor, his his wits, his athletic ability, like everything is that compilation of those genetics coming together. And so I have no regrets. I have no angst. I would do it a hundred times over to have the kid that I have and to have walked where I've walked. And I honestly believe that, again, God knew where he was taking me with my next husband. I was very blessed by my husband, Michael, that he was willing to come into a house with baggage and that he was willing to um, take my son as his own at three years old and raise him ever since and adopt him. And and he's been a wonderful dad. He's been a wonderful husband. We've walked this walk together. God pulled us together. So I'm, I'm very 100% sure that God has had a plan in this all along, even before I knew him myself. And, you know, and you know this, doing community support and resiliency training, but I feel like so much of resiliency is looking back at what you got through previously and knowing you have the strength to go forward. Yes. And then when we push those words spiritual resiliency together, it's, you know, in the Bible, this great verse, be faithful for I am faithful. And you get to look back and say, oh, here's all the places that I've seen God be faithful in my life. So what is making me think he's not going to be faithful in the future? Right. Um, right. And again, what you said, you wouldn't be the person you are now without all this other stuff that happened along the way. Uh, Tim Keller is a pastor, and he is this. There's this short piece he wrote about you. You go through trials, and we're all guaranteed we're going to go through stuff. Right. You know, most of the time. Yeah, you don't come unscathed. <laughs> yeah, nobody gets out clean. No, it's no, uh, no. you go through life most of the time, and it's kind of right in the middle. It's not great. It's not horrible, but we all have these great times and we also have these horrible hills times and, valleys, right? and these hills and valleys and when you come out of the valleys you have the 
two options before you. You either become embittered about it right. and, you know, why? Why did I go through this? You know, this is horrible. I shouldn't have had to do this. Or you come out on the other side after a lot of prayer and thinking and healing and it becomes a place of gratitude. Yeah. And it's, I am a more complete version of myself. You know, God talks about sanctification. Sure. He's not making you into a better version of you, but into a more accurate reflection of him. Right. And <laughs> An it's, image bearer. And that's <laughs> it. And, he's, and you're like, oh, I am better at reflecting the image of God yeah. because I went through these things. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, thank you for sharing your story. That was yeah, very inspiring I, to me. I will tell you that, you know, you're, you're right. It, it, I, think, I think one thing I would want to key in on, it's okay to ask why. Yes. Right? God's, God's big, and he's strong, and he can handle those challenges. He can, hand, he can handle you pushing back and saying why, right? But my problem is, is that you're not always going to get that answer, and at least not right away. So the ability to ask those questions, because we all want to know why. Mm-hmm. Why did I have to go through this? Why me? Why now? Why this? How come? I, I, I look around and I don't see other people going through this. So, you know, we want to know the whys. And it's okay to initially push back and ask that. But if you don't get that immediate response, you know, at some point, like you said, at that point, though, you have to get to a place of healing, a place of growth. And what did I learn? How am I better or smarter or stronger than I was before I walked through this? And the truth is, you know, as believers, one of the things that we know is that if if life was beautiful, if it was good all the time, if you never were challenged, you'd never have a reason for faith. You'd never have a reason to believe in something bigger, better than you, or you'd never have a hope for the future. Because if it was beautiful now, I'd just stand on my own two feet and I wouldn't need anything. I wouldn't need a God who's powerful to bring me out of right. crisis and adversity, right? So I, I, I think sometimes we fail to remember that just because I believe in God or just because I, I profess that belief that life doesn't become perfect for you. It's not all sunshine. Like you are still challenged yes. to grow you, develop you, refine you like a refiner's fire, right? To get all right. those impurities out of you. So we do become more Christ-like and you have to walk through some stuff to do that. And it is, and it, what you're saying, it really is. I mean, throughout scripture, you see a people consistently on the brink of destruction, of destroying themselves, of destroying others. And it's just this cycle of constantly being good and then dropping these spots and then God calling his people out of that and saving them from that. And if we, if life was just perfect, we wouldn't realize our deep need for this perfect relationship that we were meant to be in. Right. And, and to look back now, like I said, I, when I look back on my life, I, you know, my mom struggles with some of the the decisions that she's made, but for me, I have no regrets, no bitterness, even as a child. I, I was a, I, I was a blessed child. Mm. I was in a home where my mom loved me, and I knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I never had to question that. No matter what our circumstances were, no matter what was happening in our lives, I knew she loved me. I've always known that. So I, I grew up with that blessing. Um, and even to the point of my stepdad, I feel that's a blessing because realistically, without that relationship, I wouldn't have gone to church in high school, right? That, right. that wouldn't have become a point that would help guide me in a later point. That was my first introduction. And had he not come on the scene and and been a part of our lives and 
and offered to love me and adopt me as his own and give me his name and take me through my childhood into my adulthood, I wouldn't have had that first introduction to church, to God, right. to youth groups and mission work. And, and I still look back on those fondly, even though I had not taken that critical deep step. So I, I think even then God had a plan for me. Even before I knew him, he knew me. Yes. And that is a huge point is that God knows us all. And he knew me even then. And to to orchestrate every step along the way, I can literally see every thread that has led back to him, to his relationship, all the way up to meeting my husband, all the way up to living a blessed life. And even though I've never had it as a child, I, I still can look at my life has been hugely blessed. And God's been in it all the way. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming out again this morning. Um, Thank you for sharing your story. And uh, listeners, stay tuned for more future episodes of the Chap Chat podcast as we continue to have conversations about spiritual resiliency, uh, journeying through grief, and journeying through these obstacles that we all face in life. Uh, But we can grow and uh, understand more deeply the healing that we get to experience and uh, what it means to have spiritual resiliency when we get to share these stories with each other. So, again, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I don't even think I have a story. So no, yeah, you do. Thanks. It was a great story. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and looking forward to next time on the podcast. Have so, a great week. Thanks, Michelle. Yes. Yeah, have a great week.